Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning to the presence of God. His presence is good, amen? amen. It's so good to see everybody here today all smiling and, and happy, and there's something about God's presence that does that, though, right? Just uh, brings us all together and uh, under one common purpose, and of course, that's the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, thank you for being here with us today. We welcome you and are so grateful that you're here with us. We um, have been in the middle of a series called Go Fish, and of course, this is summertime, and many of you um, probably go fishing maybe a little more. Some of you are year-round fishermen, uh, but have some friends who've uh, been at the beach recently, and they've been catching some fish and bringing in some pretty good ones, it looks like, and um, so it's kind of appropriate just for the time of year that we're in, and, and, and what we've been talking about is this. I want to catch us up to where we uh, are, where we have been, and, and how we're going to conclude this today. Before I do, though, I would just like to congratulate Methuselah. He's our remaining goldfish out of three, the one that's left, and he's made it all. This is our sixth week in this series. He's made it the whole time, and so, Miss Gail, I congratulate you on keeping him alive. Uh, the other two have gone on to glory. They understood that their purpose was fulfilled, and... Um, Maybe we'll see them in heaven in a pond somewhere. I don't know, but we thank them for being uh, such great illustrations. As we've been going over this uh, the last few weeks, we understand that when Jesus called his first disciples, uh, he didn't give, he didn't, his first promise was not things would get better. His first promise was not help to us. His first promise was not a better relationship with your parents, with your wife, with your kids, you know, all these different things. That wasn't his first promise, but his first promise to the disciples or what he guaranteed them is he said, hey, if you will come follow me, Dwayne, I will make you fishers of men. And these were guys who were out fishing. They were out doing their normal job, and, which was fishing. And these guys, we've said this, they had the audacity to leave the family business just like that and go follow Jesus. By the way, Philip, it's great to see you. We've been praying for your dad, you and Kevin's dad, and so he's getting better, and that is, that is awesome. So what we understand, though, as we begin to follow the Lord, there are promises. We get to enjoy health. We get to enjoy working on you know, relationships with those that we love and leading other people to Jesus and all these type of things that, that happen. But Jesus, he was very serious. He said, if you follow me, I'm going to make you fisher of men. So it was, it was not only, yeah, it was expected from the very beginning that your purpose as a believer was to bring people to Jesus. At least tell them your story. And we've said this uh, throughout the, sev the several weeks that we've been doing this. Your purpose in your friend, your relative, your neighbor's life Maybe just to plant a seed of the gospel. Or maybe they've already heard the gospel and you're there just to remind them of what Jesus has done for them. But maybe you get to be the person who, as the Bible says, brings in the harvest. You actually get to lead them to Jesus. Either way, there's a part that Jesus expected us to play in the harvest, or as this is, is talking about, in bringing in uh, the fish as he was talking uh, to his disciples because he was relating it to what they were doing. They were fishing for fish, and he said, nope, from now on, you're going to be bringing in men. You're going to fish for, for men. And uh, I want to, just in case uh, you haven't been able to make every week, let me do just a quick review beyond that. We understand that Christianity is more than just morality. It's more than just behavior. It's more than just philosophy or values. It's grounded in history, and it's based on the person of Jesus Christ. We talk about Christ because of what we have seen and heard, 
people will not know who Jesus is unless we talk about him person to person. We've covered these things. And we said this in, I think, the second or third week, but often what keeps us from fishing is fear. You know, I remember when I would go fishing early on with some of my friends in the neighborhood, they would want to go catfishing. And I remember my friend, he would always talk about how fun it was to catfish, but he would always have bloody hands because, you know, the the catfish, he obviously couldn't get them off the hook right or something. But I was scared to do that, you know, and so I I, I relate that to uh, even how we can be fearful at time of sharing our faith with other people. Even Peter denied knowing Jesus. A man who followed Jesus, who saw all the miracles, he denied him there at the end. When you and I are uncertain and weirded out about sharing our faith, we also make those who are around us weirded out. So we've been learning to be bold in our, our witness because no one, people may be able to say, oh, there's not a God. People may be able to say, oh, he's, you know, this is whole, a figment of your imagination or I don't believe in all that EBGB stuff or whatever they may say. But what people cannot take away from you is your story and what Christ has done in your life for you. People can't take that away from you. So we share that. Finally, we, uh, last week we talked about this, that God loved, we took this from John 3.16, God so loved the world. We understand that God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. So leading people to Jesus is really simple. Here's what I'm going to do at the end of the service today, by the way. Uh, I wish I could take credit for this amazing idea. Um, but I have a pack of goldfish here, and they're, they're the crunchy kind. So parents, you, man, this has rescued you a hundred times, hasn't it? And so what I wanted to do, I was, Allison was talking to her mom about this. Many of you remember uh, Allison's mom, who uh, is very involved in our district and oversees several churches. But she said, you know what? Maybe, maybe it would be great if on the last Sunday of the series, you guys handed out goldfish as just a reminder. You know? And I thought, oh, that's kind of a great idea. So I thought, I don't need to put a scripture on here. And my first thought was to put on here, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But I thought, well, if this is an evangelistic thing that we are doing, a sharing our faith on here, I'm going to put John 3.16 that we talked about last week. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. So you can do two things with this whenever you get it on the way out today. One, you can give it to your children and they'll eat it on the way home or on the way to lunch and you'll have quiet for a few moments for those of you who have young parents, right? Uh, Or young parents, young children. Um, or you can eat them yourself and it reminds you this week that, you know, uh, that's kind of weird, but the people you're going to be witnessing to this week, pray over them as you're eating these. Or if you work with people at lunch this week, if you share a lunch break, you can pull it out of your little lunch bag and say, here, Doug, some goldfish and just a little scripture on there. Just God loves you. And it's just a little, maybe pray over this and see what fruit can come from that. See what kind of harvest you can get from that. Maybe it'll open up a whole bunch of conversations. So you have your option of what you're going to do with your little uh, goldfish bag. Uh, there, as I was preparing this week, I hadn't had breakfast or lunch. And so I grabbed, and they're pretty good. They're, they're the official goldfish, so, so they're good. But it reminds us that God loved, God gave. Those are the two things that he did. And then when we're witnessing to people, that's what we tell them. Hey, I just wanted you to know, Dwayne, God loved you so much that he gave his only son to die for your sins. And all you have to do is believe that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so we receive that eternal life. 
Witnessing is as simple as that. And as we said last week, we get into all the other stuff, such as Christian living and disciplines and and, uh, following after Jesus and what it means to be a Christian. We can get to all that later because at first, one of the weeks we said, we don't want to muddy the waters with all this stuff like, well, what do you think this particular scripture said when it means da 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 and we get into all this deep theological stuff. At first, we don't want to muddy the waters. That will come later where the Holy Spirit will bring understanding. You know, we said this, who cares if Adam had a belly button or not? Let's not muddy the waters with those type of things. Well, I want to tell you a story quickly to illustrate this whole idea. And I heard Andy Stanley telling the story, so I had to research it online myself because if it's online, it's got to be true, right? Well, I found this story that he was talking about, and this was from 2004, and there were several news stories that happened. This was in Australia. There was this guy, his name was Luke Tresoglavik. He was 20, that's the best pronunciation I can give you. He was 22, and he was snorkeling near Newcastle, which is north of Sydney, when he was bitten by a two-foot-long wobblegong shark. Okay? Mr. T, that's what we'll call him, said that uh, today when the two-foot shark attacked him, he instantly grabbed a hold of it. Now picture this in your head, okay? You've, you've got to visualize this whole story. It's a wonderful story. Um, he instantly grabbed a hold of it with both hands as hard as I could to stop it from shaking. Because when a shark attacks, you know, it's going to get its prey. So he's, he's grabbing a hold of this thing as it's attached to his leg. I just realized I had to swim in like that, hanging on to it because the shark wouldn't let go. You got this, Darren? Shark holding on, you got to swim in, hold, somehow get in shore. Once I got to shore, a couple of people tried to help me, but I could not remove it. It was stuck there. So I got in my car, he said, and drove to the clubhouse. And luckily, this is a true story, luckily the guys down there had a clue what to do. Senior lifeguard Michael Jones could hardly believe his eyes when Mr. T turned up. The first we knew of it was a bloke lobbed up in here at the lifeguard tower with a shark attached to his leg. Now if I had a great Australian accent, I would read it in that, but I love that. The first we knew of it, a bloke lobbed up in here uh, at the lifeguard tower with a shark attached to his leg. You picturing this? He basically asked the question, can you help me get this off? There's nothing in our procedure manual for that type of thing. It latched on, it wouldn't let go, it was thrashing around, and he's lucky he didn't get into difficulties in the water trying to swim with that thing thrashing around. With the help of another lifeguard, all three men took hold of the shark and attempted to flush its gills with fresh water to make it loosen its grip on Mr. T's leg. I grabbed the tail and one jaw, Luke grabbed the other jaw, and my partner, uh, the other beach inspector, flushed it with water, and we were able to get it off without creating too much more tissue damage, Mr. Jones said. With blood oozing from 70 needle-like punctures in his leg, Mr. T drove to the hospital, taking the dead shark with him. Mr. Jones said that Mr. T remained in good spirits throughout the ordeal. There was a side of humor to it. The snorkeler suffered puncture wounds, we said 70, to his leg from the shark's razor-sharp teeth, but did not need stitches, only a course of antibiotics. The shark, however, died, and Mr. T and his family reportedly buried it in their garden. 
What a crazy story. What a crazy story. Now, we all have stories of the fish that got away, don't we? You, you guys who have fished, Clay and Carter and the different people who are in here, I mean, you have your stories of the fish that got away. This one did not get away, and there was, no, there was nothing on there. I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the one that got away today, and as we relate that to, obviously, our faith in the Lord, and um, this is going to be our topic today. Today's Bible story, by the way, if you want to go ahead and turn to 2 Kings chapter 7, we'll be there here in just a few moments. And by the way, I'm, not going to ha- I'm only going to have one uh, part of this scripture up on the screen today, um, but we're going to read this whole story. So go ahead and turn there or open up your phones if you have your, your Bible on your phone to 2 Kings chapter 7, and, and uh, I'm going to read this to you here in just a few moments. But today's Bible story is from the Old Testament, not the New Testament. And it will parallel the story that many of us have experienced when it comes to sharing our faith or witnessing to our friends and family. It's the one that got away that we're going to talk about today. How important, before we start, how important is it for us to share our faith? Well, Jesus asked us to. Matter of fact, it's a command in a sense. Go therefore to all the world. Sharing your faith, making disciples, making us fishers of men. So it's very important for us to share our faith. What happened to you and I when Jesus saved us was extraordinary. Do you have, a, do you have, have you ever just stopped to think about that for a moment, Miss Debbie? Just how, man, Jesus saved my life. He loved me so much that he died for me and for you. And allowed me to be washed clean of all the sins that I've ever com- committed. All the guilt and, the, and the, the stains from sin are totally gone because of Jesus. And he gave me relationship with the God who created me. What an amazing story. How extraordinary is this story. As we pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 7, which we just read, if you're following the daily Bible reading plan, by the way, we do have the um, bookmarks in the back. So if you are following along with the daily reading plan, uh, the bookmarks are in the back there for this particular quarter. But if you're reading along, we just did this a few weeks ago, and we read of this story named King Jehoram. Now, most of the kings at this time did not follow after the Lord. If you read Israel and Judah's history, especially Israel, man, they had some kings who did not follow God. And and so we're going to pick up on his story here of, of Jehoram. Now, this was about, to give you a time frame, this was about 850 B.C. So before Jesus was born, it was 850 years before he was born uh, in history. Now, Jehoram did not please God. So God, and uh, the other kings as well, but we're talking about Jehoram. So God was pronouncing judgment on this nation because they were not following after the Lord. After the Lord. Now, what happened during this time is if uh, a nation came to attack you, it was, beca- it was called this. They would besiege your particular Nation, And you had walls that were, was built around your city so that people could not come in and attack. But when you were being besieged, you had the army surrounding, in different parts, surrounding your city, the walled city. So if you tried to get out to go get food supplies, you would get killed. If people tried to come in with food supplies, they would be killed. So you kind of get what's happening here. Over a period of weeks and months, you would start to run out of food. 
That's what's going on in this particular story. They're running out of food. The Bible tells us this. It's got, man, it's a, it's a crazy... We understand that people weren't following the Lord and the judgment that was being pronounced. Listen, they were eating things like, the Bible said, donkey heads. I'm like, come on, really? I went to a hog killing several months ago, and I watched how they made um, liver mush. And I'm not going to give you the details just in case you really like liver mush. The things they do with a pig head. I'll just leave it there. But these people were eating. They were running out of food, so it was a donkey head. The Bible even says this. The kids are going to love this one who are in the room. They were eating dove dung. Like, that's, that's, dug, that's dove poop. They were eating that because they were running out of food. This is how dire the situation was. Not only that, and I'll just use the big word here, but they had turned to cannibalism as well. They were running out of food. Horrible story. If you read through that, horrible story. I'm not going to tell that story today of, of particular how, what that was like. But they were turning to cannibalism. There were four lepers, this story tells us about, and they had it really bad. Because not only were they starving, but lepers were outcasts. Now, what were lepers? Lepers were people who had breakouts all over their body. Their skin was ashy, and it, it just itched. And so they could not go into the temple to worship, worship God because they were considered unclean. There's four of these guys. And so they were, they were outcasts. They were hungry. And this is where we're picking up the story, okay? So join with me in 2 Kings 7-3, and uh, we'll, we'll go along here says this, now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. And they said this, why should we sit here waiting to die? They ask each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. Right? That's, all, that's all the hope they have. So we might as well, we're going to die if we stay in here. So let's take our chances of going out. Okay, that, that's what they're deciding to do. Verse 5. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. They were going to surrender. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord has, had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sound of a great approaching army. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. Verse 8. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating, drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. All right, so are you, are you, you're with me, right? This army that was besieging Israel, God had caused them to hear another army approaching. It was not approaching, but God just caused them to hear that because God was about to deliver his people because some of them had been crying out, Lord, save us. So here you have these lepers who are going out, and they, they're going to turn themselves in to this army. They're going to surrender. But nobody's there. But all of their belongings are there. Their horses, you know, all, all these things. By the way, Israel, we're going to see in just a few moments, had hardly any horses left. We know they didn't have much food left because they were eating stuff that's just really nasty. But I want us to focus in on verse 9, and this is going to be up on the screen. Finally, they said to each other, now this is after them eating and drinking and taking stuff and hiding it. 
Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. That's a strong scripture. I want you to just think about that for a moment. This is not right. This is a day of good news. It is not right. Uh, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, this is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come, let's go back and tell the people uh, at the palace. So they're finding good things. They're hiding these good things. But then they came to their senses. Let's keep going. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Aramean camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses, the donkeys, they were tethered, uh, and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gate, gatekeeper shouted the news to the people that were in the palace. Now, as you can imagine, we're about to see that the king is going to have his doubts, the king of Israel. He's, he's going to doubt here, okay? So here's the king, verse 12. He got out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what has happened. The Arameans know that we are starving, so they have left their camp and they have hidden in the fields. They are expecting us to leave the city, and then they will take us alive and capture the city. One of his officers replied, we had better send out scouts to check this out. Let them take five of the remaining horses. So you see it's pretty dire. They don't have a whole lot of horses left. If something happens to them, it'll be no worse than if they stay here and die with the rest of us. Such a dire situation that they are facing here. So two chariots with their horses were prepared, and the king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Aramean army. They went all the way to the Jordan River, following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Arameans had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that five quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver, and ten quarts of barley and grain were sold for uh, one piece of silver, just as the Lord had promised. Now before this, that last sentence there, before all this had happened, God had promised Israel that, you know what, things aren't going to be expensive tomorrow. Right now you can't even buy food, but tomorrow it's going to be plentiful, and the word of the Lord had come to pass. There was so much plunder, there were so many goods and food and, and, and wine and, and gold and clothing that had been left behind by this army uh, that was there. And Elijah the prophet had foretold it, and so they were able to save an entire city. Ultimately, God saved the entire city. So I want us to look today, just in our final few minutes here that we have in this series, and I want us to bring out a few points today from this particular story. The first one is, take a risk to offer life to other people. Really, it is a life and death situation when you think about it. People who don't know Jesus, it is. It's a life and death situation. Will they spend eternity with Jesus? Or will they spend eternity apart from God? And the options that we are given is this. Take a risk. Be willing to take a risk to go out and to tell your story where folks may laugh at you reject you. Of course, they're rejecting God. We understand that. Be willing to take a risk because you and I are a lot like those lepers. We were a lot like those lepers in the sense that we were doomed to hell. We were, we were unclean, couldn't enter the presence of God. Spiritually, we were dying. We were starving. 
So we're a lot like these, uh, these, these lepers. But then we came to Jesus and we found life. We're a lot like the lepers who ran out to this camp. And we found life and oh, the blessings of God are so good. How many of you, and be honest, I enjoy the blessings of God. Oh man, God is so good to us. First of all, he gave us life, but then on top of that, he blesses us. I was just sitting out back yesterday morning, just in my time reading the Bible and praying, and just you, know, you could hear the birds, and everybody was waking up in the forest, <laughs> beautiful setting, you know. And uh, I was just thinking, God, you are so good. You are so good to give me a beautiful wife, my children, my, you know, this home that we're able to live in, uh, health, resources to live life all these different things. I'm a lot like the leper in that sense, enjoying the blessing. I'm also like the leper in the sense that I had, while I had to take a risk to offer it to others, that at some point I had to overcome my hogging, my, my enjoying the blessings of God to share it with other people. That involves overcoming the embarrassment that I need to share the gospel. I need to overcome that. Lord, I just, man, it's so, it's so hard to talk about that. It's so hard to talk. What do you enjoy talking about? Bring the gospel in. Jesus did that all the time. What did he tell the disciples who were fishing? He told them fishing stories. What did he tell the farmers who collected all the stuff from the fields? He told uh, bringing in the harvest stories. What is it that you enjoy talking about? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how you can bring up a, the simple message of the gospel, right? That's what God has asked us to do, to take a risk to offer life to others because you have the secret to life. And that is that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Here's the second thing that we learn from the lepers. Uh, not that we're listing things that we learn from the lepers, but let's look at this for a moment. With a great discovery comes a great responsibility. When you became a believer, everything in your mind began to change for the good. Now, maybe not all your circumstances, but everything in your mind began to change for the good. Your worldview maybe began to change. Your view on sin began to change. Your view of God began to change. Maybe even what you did with your time began to change when you came into a relationship with Jesus. You even started to like to read the Bible, or to hear stories. You even like church and the people in the church. Your morals began to change. How you viewed social issues, life, habits, all these type of things. This discovery helped you figure out some things in life. Now, I think I can probably um, speak to most everyone in this room for a moment. Do you have friends and family that whenever you go over to their house, it is just, let's just be honest for a moment, it's just utter chaos. People are yelling at each other. There's no peace in the home. We've had a, um, a, quite a few folks over to our house, some family, some friends, some people from, you know, just, well, Mo was here again this weekend. Uh, West Puppy Razor uh, came in this weekend just to one night, uh, just an overnight trip to see West and I think us. But anyway, 
What we have heard lately from family and from friends, from people who come over is just, man, it is so peaceful here. And then we've gone to, and this is not a judging thing. I'm just, this is just an observation, all right? So let's, let's not judge our friends and our family and things like that, but there's an observation. But then we go to other homes, and man, it is just chaos, yelling at the kids, yelling, spouse, yelling at each other. Now, don't get me wrong. There's times when Stasha and I have our disagreements. There's times when, you know, the boys, and we have to correct them, and maybe we act the way we shouldn't, and they're mad at us and all those type of things. Every house has that, right? But I'm talking about a habit, I'm talking about it's just no peace whatsoever. But that changes. The mindset begins to change in those moments. So we've all experienced that type of environment uh, to where now, because we know the Lord and we're trying to relate to each other as a godly couple, I'm trying to relate to my children as a godly father. I'm trying to relate even to myself as a person who has self-discipline. Why is that? Because it comes from Christ. But there's peace that we experience in our life. So we have discovered things that help me figure out some things in life. I can share that in those situations when they say, why? It's just so peaceful. We love coming here. Inevitably, Stasha, you know, or myself or whatever, you know what? It's the Lord. Because apart from him, we'd, we'd, we'd be yelling at each other. Because you may not realize this, but Stasha and I are different. <laughs> we are really different. Um, she wanted to be a lawyer, so she likes to debate. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I'm, I'm more, you know, the peacemaker, you know. And we ran into trouble with that early on in our marriage. We really did. She wanted to prove that she was right. And I'm like, nope, I'll see you later. You know, that caused some issues. You know, I'm not going to fight. But you know what God did? Man, he brought us to an understanding to where we could discuss things, you know, in that sense. Same with our boys. Uh, same, and, and, you know, just think of growing up with my mom. I'm, I'm a lot like my mom in that sense, that she's, she's not one for chaos either. So uh, we, we didn't have a whole lot of, of chaos. But why was that? Because, man, she was a person who, even though you guys know my story, my dad wasn't around, all those type of things. She's like, as for me and my house, we've discovered who God is, and we will serve the Lord. And when we got to our teenager years, she says, you're not out of my house yet. We will serve the Lord. I've told you before, we had a drug problem, me and my brother. She drug us to church whenever the doors were open. That was her determination that she was going to do. The discovery that my mom had was Jesus Christ and the life that he offers. And she passed that on down. Pass that to the people that you have around you. With a great discovery comes great responsibility. People will notice the peace that you have. And they'll, man, it's just so peaceful here. I don't know what it is about this place. Can I tell you what it is? We serve the Lord and he has helped us. We're not perfect people by any means. We're not perfect people by any means. And just share your story. Never forget your responsibility to those who have been, in a sense, left behind. We're talking about the one that got away, right? So never forget your responsibility to your friends and family that have been, in, in a sense, left behind. Because here's another thing that I have found throughout my life. The longer that you are a Christian, the easier it is to leave those folks who don't know Jesus behind. Yes. We start to make up things. Well, somebody else will tell them about the Lord. 
I don't know how to talk to them now because I've had this secret all my life, not a secret, but kind of kept it to myself all this life, all, all, all my life. It's just, it's just easier. You are responsible to share the good news. Think about when you first became a Christian or maybe you've led someone to the Lord recently. Uh, man, they're excited. They want to share their faith. So, and, and you can see how the longer life goes on, you can. You, you can become hardened to those things. So I'm just, just encouraging you today, encouraging myself today. I went fishing with a friend another time. This was growing up. Um, so I don't, I don't know how old I was, but no more than a teenager. But he had a monster fish on the line. We were at the lake, I think. Obviously, we were at some body of water. But, <laughs> but we were at the lake, and he had this monster fish, and he was fighting this thing. And anytime you hear the snap, zing, you know, it's, it's a bad thing. Your, your fish just got off the line. Here's what my friend immediately did. He had backup rods and reels. He knew where that fish bit. We, we could see the fish, you know, when, it, when he was getting it closer. He took one line and threw it in the water, took another line and threw it at a different place because he knew that fish was nearby. He's like, I'm going to get that thing again. I have been after that fish. It's been around this, this pier for so long. I'm going to get that thing. He was determined. He knew where he hooked it, two lines in the water to try and catch it. And here's the application from that. Will we be willing to go back to those who are still lost? Maybe those who have rejected the gospel once before. And I want to ask you this question that you just answer to yourself, but how many times did it take for you to come to the Lord? Maybe you didn't come to Jesus the first time somebody asked you. Maybe you did, but maybe not. Will you go back to them again? Will you go back to those people who are still lost. Back in verse 9, it says, this, the, the guys, the lepers said, this is not right. We're taking all this stuff for ourselves. It's a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. The final point here, what would it look like to embrace the responsibility of sharing this life? This week, who would you invite to lunch that maybe you... You know, I've got a list of people that I could take to lunch, and I enjoy going to lunch with so-and-so, not, necessar not necessarily so-and-so. Who will you take to lunch this week? Who doesn't know the Lord? Who will you give a gift to? Maybe give them a book, give them a CD, give them a little pack of goldfish. How would you spend your resources differently? Think about where your money goes. How can you invest it into a book? How can you invest it into taking someone to lunch, whatever? Who do you need to invite to church? We're talking about what would it look like to embrace the responsibility of sharing life. Who would you invite? Who would you need to talk to at the gym? Who would you need to talk to at the ball field? Who do you need to talk to at work, in your neighborhood, and where it all begins is this. Who would you begin to pray for? I'm asking God to put someone on your heart right now. Here, here's what I found this week. You know, as we've been going through this series uh, just on Facebook and social media, man, I have seen so many scriptures being posted on people's pages. It is good stuff. And, and even the ones that have like, there's a little bit of commentary that goes with it about how, man, God has done this for me. And this scripture is great. Let it speak to you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You will never understand what kind of life Scripture, posting it on your social media pages, man, it gives people life. 
it at least plants a seed in their life. What does it look like to embrace the responsibility of sharing life? Something as simple as that. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. 1 John 4, chapter 9. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. That sounds a lot like John 3, 16, doesn't it? But it's 1 John 4, 9. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. See, God sent His Son into the world that was a wreck and to a world that would crucify Him. See, Jesus was like the lepers in this sense. He obviously was perfect. But in this sense, He had all the pleasures of heaven. He had relationship with the Father. He's the Son of God. But He chose to come to present the good news, which would be through Him, a way to be back to the Father. It's about risk. And I'm, I'm encouraging us this week. Take a risk. If you're a low-risk type of person, just post something on your page if you have social media. Uh, if not, give them a bag of goldfish, you know, um, with the scripture that's on it. And then beyond that, it's going to open up some conversations and be bold. Here, here's what I want you to know. Matter of fact, can we stand? Because I want to... I I want to look into your eyes as you're standing for a moment. And I want to tell you this because I have all confidence in every person in here because I've seen what you've been doing, even if it's just online. And I've heard your stories. Telling your story equipped each and every one of you. And you are telling your story. And so today I'm just continuing to stoke the fire. You know, I love to go camping. My family, we love to go camping. We love to do that. But, you know... A fire will go out pretty quickly if you don't keep stoking that fire, right? All you people who like to do fires. If you don't keep turning the logs, and I, I like to play with fire too much, right, Sarah? <laughs> We've been different places. And people are getting burned because of all the ashes. I just like to stoke the fire. And me, I want, you to, I want you to encourage me, okay? Today I'm encouraging you, but I want you, Pastor, how's it going this week? Are you sharing your faith? I, we're in this together, aren't we? You know, I, I like your pages. I, you know, I'll, I'll favorite your stuff that, that you share and you favorite mine. That's the way we get to encourage you, just by clicking on the heart on Instagram or double-clicking or whatever, pushing the like button, Facebook. Let's encourage one another because you, ha you have what it takes to share your faith. And that's the Holy Spirit that lives within you. He's changed you, and you know He can change those who are around you. Amen? Isn't God good? how he equips us, how he gives us one another. And I'm so proud of you. I, just as your pastor, I am so proud of you. I want us to grow as a church in our relationship with each other and with God. I want us to grow in discipleship by understanding the word. But I especially want us to grow to be fishers of men. That's what God called you to when he saved you. And now we have eternal, we're guaranteed of eternal life because of our relationship with Jesus. And today, as we're closing out this series, as always, I want to give us an opportunity. If you've not made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And I want to be able to pray with you. And how I'm going to do that is I need to know who I'm praying with. So I just say, if, if I'm praying with you today, we receive Jesus. Just kind of, I want to receive Jesus today. Anybody just raise your hand. Today, I want to receive Jesus. Anybody at all? Never have? All right. We're believers in this room today. And so today, we all have that commission to share your faith. 
Doug and Lisa are going to come up here in just a moment to uh, pray for us as we are dismissing today. If you have any needs whatsoever, maybe it's you want boldness in your life, uh, just to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a witness, a health issue that you're facing or loved one that needs prayer today, Doug and Lisa will be up here to pray with you, so don't hesitate to come on up. But Stasha and I love you. We will see you at the back. We'll have your bag of goldfish to either eat yourself, remind you to fish, or to give to someone else this week. So Doug and Lisa, you guys pray for us.